feel like that I need to lay some groundwork for what I believe the next six weeks is going to be for our church. Um, we're starting a sermon series called Visioneering, and, and we are in a, um, a really incredible season of our church. As many of us obviously know our story. Uh, to where we are, are believing to move to, um, we are moving to a new area, to a land that's pay, paid for, purchased. We finally got the blueprints, the completed blueprints, not just little markups, but the completed blueprints. I need you to praise God for me right now. Just give him praise for that. Whew, what a journey. And uh, Mr. Brandon's here. He knows all about blueprints and cities and all this so we're grateful for that and now we're starting to get bids in and uh and really believing we haven't gotten any bids but we're in that process of bidding and uh i just need here's here's what i need you to pray for this week pray that god will give us contractors that will do great work that get behind the vision of our church and that are less expensive than anybody around and uh, y'all laughing. I ain't laughing. I ain't laughing. I kind of giggled, but I was like, <laughs> I was just clearing my throat for a minute. It was, y'all laughed. It's probably all of the electricians and the plumbers and the <laughs> HVAC people in the room. Now we're really believing God for favor, and so pray for us for that favor. And um, there's a, if you haven't seen it, can you just put up the building real quick? I know, like I said, we're off schedule, so that's 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 our next. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, but it's, it's, it's my responsibility as, as a church, as a pastor, and as a lead, leader of the church, is to make sure that the vision is clear. And so for, for the next six weeks, we're really going to begin to unpack the vision of our church moving forward. Um, if, if you know, I've, I've been the lead pastor here, been here a long time, been the lead pastor here. This is our, after two years, we're into our third year. And, um, and people often will have stopped me. And of course, the staff, Pastor Ricardo would tell you this, hey, just want to just kind of ask you, you know, what, what's really the specific vision? And I would just go, I don't know. And it felt a little bit heavy because I'm like, I should know. I'm supposed to know. But I kind of settled into that for a moment because I, I, I didn't want the vision. The vision of, of a house is so important. And I didn't want to just throw something out there and get a T-shirt printed and put it on the wall and make it rhyme, make it cool, if it really wasn't truly the vision of our house. And so what I've been telling people... Uh, I think I told this to Tori the other day. We were on the phone. And I said, you have to just kind of listen. Listen to what I'm saying right now. And then God is beginning to make this thing into what I feel like is the future of our church, the future of Pathway. And, um, and so I feel God is going to release some things in the next six weeks uh, that I want you to, to know about. And, and it'll be some, not just vision, but some strategies how to get there. And, and we're, we're starting this sermon series called a Visioneering. And we're going to be walking through the story of Nehemiah. And if you've never read the story of Nehemiah, it is absolutely one of the best stories in the Bible. And so it's going to have a lot of, of, of information that feels very this house related, but it's also going to relate to your house. 
And, and that as God is giving you a vision for your future, and we say the word vision, and it's a, it could be a leadership word. It could, you know, it could be a corporate word. If you work in a uh, corporate company, they've got a vision statement and all of those things. And those are all great. But I'm really believing that God is going to drop some significant things into your heart for your life and for your family and where God is taking you. Because as you elevate, the church elevates. I got three people said something. I mean, that was like, that was so good. I was like, I mean, as you elevate, the church elevates. And, And so... And so I'm just praying for that elevation in your life. And so I'm not going to to get super deep into this today, but I just want to read um, the the first chapter of Nehemiah. And then next week, we're going to jump into chapter two and uh, where it really gets to the good stuff. And, And it's all leading to what God is going to be doing in the next six weeks and over our church. And so I I want you to continue to pray for the season that we're in, as I know that you are. But I I, I want you to to know that a building always begins with architects. As we've seen some rendering, we've seen some prints, we've seen some various things. But more than architects, there is engineers. We have a brother that's an engineer in our church. Where are you at, sir? I, I, you're, he, he's an engineer, and maybe he's serving today somewhere else. But, but he, he's an engineer. I believe it's a, if it's a mechanical engineer. And one thing that engineers do in the building process is, is, is engineers are the ones that, that see the, the design and the development and even test how it will function before it's even in existence. So engineers have this way of going, okay, it's not physically here yet, but I know how to make sure that when we begin to put everything in place, civil engineers often on jobs on, on land, they will work what's underneath the surface. Because it doesn't matter how good the building looks if it ain't working good underneath the surface. It, it does, if it's not working good under the surface, then how many knows it's just a pretty building? And, and I don't want to build just a pretty church. And, and let, me, let me take you back. Let me take you away from the physical building. I don't want to build just a pretty church. It, but I want a highly functioning church where we are making disciples and sending them out and seeing people's lives transformed. Uh, I, I'm not looking to, to, to build a church that would see, as, see how many people we can get. I want, I want a lot of people. Every pastor wants a lot of people. But I'm not interested in a mega church. I'm interested in mega disciples. And so, and so to do that, it takes some visioneering. It takes some vision with some engineering that gets us to seeing that happen. And Nehemiah looks at this. In the first chapter of Nehemiah, he simply does this. He simply just inquires about what is happening. So the backstory is, if you don't know, and I will, I'll skip through it quickly, but Israel was divided into two kingdoms. The northern Jewish kingdom of Israel And then there was a southern Jewish kingdom called Judah. And both nations were destroyed. The city of Jerusalem, 
now in Judah, was completely conquered by the Babylonians and the temple that Solomon built was completely destroyed. And when the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem, they deported almost everyone from the city and that region for some 70 years. They destroy the nation and they just deport, they move people out. And for 70 years, they have been in a different, distant land. And Jerusalem at this point is a ghost town. And it, it was potentially going to end up like just an ancient city that was completely forgotten except for the history of it. And when the Jews were deported to Babylon, they began to make homes for themselves. Many still followed God, but they did it in Babylon. And with no desire to even return to the land that God had promised. And so many faithful Jews, they were raised up to places of prominence in governments there in Babylon. Names like Daniel, names like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then even Esther became queen in Babylon. And after 70 years of captivity in Babylon, they were given the opportunity to finally to return back to their promised land that God called for them to be. And out of three million Jews, two to three million Jews that was deported from that land, only about 2%, about 50,000 of them returned to the promised land. In comes Nehemiah. 150 years after the city of Jerusalem destroyed, he finds that the city of Jerusalem, that the walls were completely crumbled and everything was just rubble. So we read in, in Nehemiah, the first chapter, it says the autobiography of Nehemiah, the son of Hecleliah, in December of the 20th year of the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia. And when I was at the palace of Shushan, one of the fellow Jews, Hanani, came to visit me with some men who arrived from Judah. And I took the opportunity, this is Nehemiah speaking, I took the opportunity to inquire how things were going in Jerusalem. He says, how are they getting along? And I asked, I said, are the Jews who returned to Jerusalem from exile there? He's just saying, is there anybody back? And they said, well, they replied, things are not good. The wall of Jerusalem is torn down and the gates are burned. Nehemiah says this in verse four. He says, when I heard this, I sat down and I cried. In fact, I refused to eat for several days for I spent in time in prayer to God of heaven. It's important that we as a church understand that just as we get ready to step into a season of building a building. And as we are all going to partner together and as we are gathering, we're, we're gathering people in, um, in groups and we're encouraging you've been getting information about a small group that you're invited to. Can I just stress how important it is for me and Holly and our church that you, that you RSVP for that, for that and be a part of that. And really what it is, is I'm just going to share more specifically the vision of how of what's going on I'm not going to take your money I'm not there to take an offering but I am there to tell you that it's going to take this is not my church this is our church and we're going to come together and we're going to see God do incredible miracles through us 
through that. So that's, um, we encourage you just to RSVP for that. So our staff, Tanya, has been overseeing this and, and it's, been a, it's been a task, I know. And so do your part to respond even, even this afternoon. Just respond to that RSVP and allow us to just share. I could do it from the stage, but I'm, I, my style is, I like to be in small groups. I, I, I've said this last week. I love the stage on Sundays, but I like the sidewalks on Sunday out there just as much. I just love being around you guys. And so this gives us an opportunity to do that. To do that. But one of the things that's very, very important in, in, in what it tells us in the book of Nehemiah is that before we build, before we do anything, before we are, are, are engineering all of the details, it's important that we identify with what breaks our heart. It's important that the vision of our church can, can say, this is what breaks our heart. Because we don't have a ministry if we don't have a burden. Because once there are no burdens that we can identify with, if there's nothing that breaks our heart in the society that we live in, if we, if we don't have a burden, then we're never going to enjoy the blessing of God helping meet the needs so we can address the burden in people's lives. Does it make sense? And so, so we want to make sure, just as Nehemiah is showing us, he immediately broke down because he realized. Now, you travel through the, the entire chapter, the chapters and the book of Nehemiah. We'll get into the walls being built and we'll get through all that. But I wanted to stop here for just a few moments to make sure that you understand that we are going to always be a church that is going to be moved to brokenness for the burdens around us. We realize that we live in a time in 2023 where we need a church. If you can't say anything to that, if we need a church, our, our nation needs good churches. And we know this because, because there is an attack on churches. And, it, and, it's, and it's happened, some I believe, to the church's fault. But it's just the way that we're living in the last days. And so we have to understand that a burden moves us to brokenness. What breaks your heart? What breaks our heart? What breaks your heart as a, as a husband and as a father? What breaks your heart as a mother and as a wife? What breaks your heart to our young adults for your, for your uh, generation? What breaks your heart? What are you seeing around you that just moves you? Because if we're always looking the other way to things that we know that needs to be addressed from the kingdom of God, then what will happen is that we will find ourselves just going through the motions of church. And I don't want to be a part of a church that just goes through the motions. I want to make sure that we are a church that is addressing the burdens of our heart. That's what Nehemiah did. He says, oh my gosh. There's rubble still around. I thought this was corrected. I thought this was already fixed. And so something moved Nehemiah. It broke his heart. What breaks our heart? I have a list. I'm a research guy. I love this. It, this breaks my heart. Currently, 31% of millennials have no religious affiliation. And they say even 33% portion of Generation Z has reached adulthood and have no religious preference. A third of Generation Z have no religious preference. 
7% of Americans think at least monthly about how they will find more meaning and purpose in their life. So over half of America thinks on a constant basis how I can gain more purpose and more meaning to their life. And we're the church. We are the one to point them to meaning and purpose. We're the one to help them and to show them how to gain meaning and purpose in their life. It says this, 46% of pastors under the age of 45 are considering quitting the ministry. Now that may not hit you hard, but it hits me hard because I've given my entire life to ministry. And when I see that there are young pastors that are already quitting, it breaks my heart. In fact, we did something the other day, and I say we because we as a church. There's a, a, a pastor friend of mine that has a church in this city. We sent them. Miss Elizabeth has a, an Airbnb in Oklahoma, and I called her up, and I said, hey, I just want to help them. They've got a small church, and, and they, they never have a time to go anywhere. So we sent them for three days. A beautiful home surrounded by a lake with canoes and fishing. And, and we just said, we're going to pay for it. You just go and enjoy some time. Why? Why is that a burden to me? It's because I understand the strain of pastoring. And so, so I, I am moved by it. So we've got to be a church that, that our heart does not only move for our house, but other churches other churches and so so I want us to be a church that is responding to the burdens of not only what we feel in our heart but maybe the burden that other people are carrying 39% of Americans see pastors as honest as honest 39% back in I think it was 1975 it was like 68% so in the past 40 years, we've had this distrust of pastors. That's why it's important to me that we are a church that is very transparent with our things. We have a, 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 an active board that I meet with that have voting rights to things. I'm just not a one, one man thing here. We have a finance committee that, is, that, that looks at our finances to make sure that everything is on the up and up. Accountability is important to this church. Accountability is important to me. And that's why I want to make sure, because I want to try to bridge the gap. I want people to know that the man that is speaking to them on, on, on Sundays, that I can believe in him. So we have something in, in place. We have board members that are in this room that are not just out in a different city in a different state they're active in this room today serving and they're a part of of our church it's because I want to make sure that as we lead forward and as we are as we are stepping into a season that you know that the honesty and the transparency of our church is greatly 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 important to me I'm not looking to build a wealthy career out of this I ain't shopping for no jet I'm not shopping for a jet. I'm just not. I got my 2007 FJ Cruiser that I drive around like a boss. I'm good with it. My, my point is, is that transparency and accountability is a part of our culture here. And so we find that only three in 10 unchurch Americans say a Christian has shared the gospel with them. Three out of 10 it says one in six young adults identify 
as LGTBQIA2S+. One out of every six. In addition to that, almost every student will have an LGBTQIA2S friend or classmate. What does that mean? Does that mean we got to tell our friends, our, 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 our students at our church to stay away from them? Absolutely not. We got to equip them to minister to them. We got we to gotta make sure that we, they know how to have conversations that's going to be there and to show them the love of Jesus. And we also see that 4,500 U.S. Protestant churches closed in 2019 before the pandemic. Way more after. So we know that we're in a nation to where churches are falling away. But we are building a church. And not just a building, but we're building a body. We are working on the engineering. This is the conversation. The engineering to identify what breaks our heart Today, after the pandemic, a large amount of churches closing are in predominantly African-American black communities. A large percentage of them. We're a multicultural church. You can find somebody that don't look like you really easy around here. And let me tell you, that's by design of the Holy Spirit. And I thank God for it. Multicultural is in my DNA. And we, but we want to address the needs. These are real needs. So we've got to make sure that we are focused on the reputation of the Lord. It's time that the church fights for the reputation of the Lord again. It's time that we feel equipped and learn how to have conversations with people that are unchurched, people that are that are that are away from God are, are are those that are atheists. It doesn't mean that we have to ignore them and stay away from it. It's we just got to learn how to have conversations to begin to show ourselves friendly, to show that we can have good conversations, to see life transformation happening in them. Y'all know what I'm saying? Everybody say you right, Kelly. You right. You right. Okay. All right. Y'all making me nervous. Tori, they're making me nervous today. It says this, and I'm, I'm wrapping up. Oh, Lord God, I cried out. Oh, great and awesome God who keeps his promises and is so loving and kind to those who love and obey him. Hear my prayer. Listen carefully to what I say. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. A burden has to break us. and A burden moves us to desperation. We have to understand that we're living in desperate times. We're living in, even in our city, we're living in desperate times. Crime is up, even in the city of, of, of Mesquite and our surrounding areas and the area that we're headed to. They need Jesus. There's needs. We are in desperate times. We, we've got to understand that we've got to address the desperation that is a, around us. And so we've got to make sure that we're taking pride in making sure that we're effective in ministry. We have a homeless population, not just on the streets of Dallas anymore. We have a homeless population on the streets of Mesquite, Texas. Axe ministry, we've got to come up with them. We've talked about this. We, we're coming up with a plan to see how can we start a homeless ministry in Mesquite, Texas. 
and make sure that we are addressing the needs. We, we've got to make sure that we realize that we're in a desperate time because we've got to put our foot into something to keep young girls that are pregnant and to keep them from staying away from the abortion clinic and realize they can come to their church. They can come to our church and we're launching Embrace Grace, which is a, which is a recovery, which is a help to help them and to train them and to say, listen, we're going to help you to give them some teaching to say you can keep your baby we're going to help you and we're going to strengthen you and at the end of the course then we're going to have a baby shower for them and we're going to celebrate what God has done in their life through Embrace Grace and it's starting we've been working on it for about a year now and so we we have to understand we're living in desperate times and we don't want to just have church for the sake of having church we want to make a difference what good is a brand new shiny beautiful church if we don't have a burden inside of us, oh God. We have to become desperate. And then he says this in verse 7. I confess. So he begins to cry out, oh Jesus. Verse 7 he shifts. He goes, I confess that we have sinned against you. Notice that the ownership that Nehemiah takes for the sins of a nation. He says, I confess that we have sinned against you. And it says, yes, and I and, and my people have committed the horrible sin of not obeying the commandments that you gave us through your servant Moses. Oh, please remember what you told Moses. You said this, Nehemiah. Nehemiah is speaking to God. He says, I'm going I'm to quote Moses here. He goes, you said, if you sin, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my laws, even though you are exiled to the furthest corners of the universe, I will bring you back to Jerusalem. For Jerusalem is the place in which I have chosen to live. We are your servants, the people you rescued by your great power. Lord, please hear my prayer. Heed the prayers of those of us who delight to honor you. It's amazing how Nehemiah, he owns the responsibility of the sins of a nation. I don't know if this is you, but sometimes I just separate myself from the sins of the nation. We all do it. We all, we all separate ourselves from, oh, we, we may post about what we don't like about it, but as, as far as actually getting in and making a difference and going, oh God, I'm not just speaking for myself, but I'm actually speaking, I'm speaking for the nations. I, I, I'm repenting for our nation. Because what happens is when we own this, we can reach more people in the community that we are going to by simply going, this is way beyond our church. This is way beyond God, forgive me for the way I've, I have failed you personally. But what I realize is that I'm living and we're living and we're, we, we are existing in a season to where we need people to rise up and go, we need revival in our nation again. We need to go from rubble to revival because there are so many people that are just stepping over the rubble and, and Nehemiah was speaking he says listen uh, my people have just taken the rubble 
as a part of them. And many times that if we're not careful as believers, I'm talking to Christ followers here, it, many times we can do this, we can find ourselves just being okay, looking the other way of, of the sins of our nation with ev without ever taking responsibility for our part in praying for the nation. And what we will find ourselves is that we become like the, the children of Israel that were just stepping around the rubble. It was God's promised land for them. It was what God promised them, but they just began to see it as this is just the way it is. But I believe there's a people that have made up their mind and says, listen, it doesn't have to be the way it is. That there can be a revival that comes out of the rubble of our country, out of our nation, of our city, that we can believe God to turn things around. But we've got to understand that we are, are responsible and as believers that we pray, God, forgive me. Yeah, forgive me, obviously, forgive me. But forgive us. Forgive us. I woke up early Saturday morning, about four in the morning, and I just heard repent in my spirit. Well, that'll wake you up. I'm like, what? And so, uh, you know, what you would do, and I, did, I just immediately started going over this list of things, like, oh, good God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You know, what did I do this? And I, I, I forgive me. But, but when, I, when I got up, I went to my office, like, God, what does this mean? And, and he brought me back to this text. And, and he says, we have to repent for the culture that has happened in our nation. We've got to repent. So how does this get back to us rebuilding or building and rebuilding walls in the story of Nehemiah? It's because we are visioneering. We're going to create the flow underneath the surface that keeps us responsible, that we don't become religious. And it's good for us just to go hide in our Sunday morning cocoon that we call a church, that we just go and go, well, that's the way they do it. And we want to give our two cents about how that they are doing it. And when God is saying, no, 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 we all repenting. We're all repenting for a culture. And you think, well, I didn't add to that culture. But the problem is, it's not about us adding to the culture. It's the only the people of God that are going to rise up and say, we're here to draw a line in the sand and say, listen, it ain't going to be like this on our watch. We're going to take responsibility. We're going to feel the burden of what is around us. And we're going to address the needs of the people's lives that are far from Jesus. Yeah, so I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. It, it, it was visionary sermon just to set the stage it's going to get good next week it's going to be powerful but a burden lastly moves us to blessing the last part I read the whole chapter and it says this please help me now this is what Nehemiah says his heart breaks he becomes desperate and he repents and then he says please help me now as I go in and ask the king for a great favor put into his heart to be kind to me he says I was the king's cupbearer here's the thing we're getting ready to build we need some kings to emerge where are the kings amongst us that will help us fund the ministry and fund the new building. 
There's kings in here. I'm believing that this is your season to step up. And, and so I'm just setting the groundwork as we walk through this visionary uh, sermon series, as we look at the life of Nehemiah, we're going to see this emerging of kings around us. Maybe there's not kings in this room, but there's kings out that we're going to see and we're going to see God use them in a great way so we can see a great work that is in front of us. But it starts with a prayer. It starts with us identifying with the burden of our heart. It starts with us repenting and saying, God, help us. And as you're seated, I just want to pray over you. I want to pray over us. I want you just to hear my heart as your lead pastor. I want you to, I want you to hear my heart. I don't want to build just a shiny building. I promise you, if God were to say, don't build it, I wouldn't argue not one moment. I'm not that impressed. I know that sounds a little crazy, but, but I am more interested and impressed when the people of God, when you guys, when we gather here and we really go, oh God, what are you engineering into the deep places of my heart? Because I know this, I can't do it without y'all. And when we own the burden of a city, we own the burden of a community. We own the burden of the stats that I read. We own the burden of homeless population in Mesquite. We own the burden of, of, of young adults and teenagers that are fighting so hard against a culture. When we own the burden of that, all of a sudden we begin to engineer something that is way more than brick and mortar. But we begin to engineer purpose in peace. And that's my heart. Father, thank you today. Whew, what a day, God. You've been so good. I look at the carpet, God, to still wet from all of this baptism and life change. That, thank you, God, that there's going to be way more wet carpet in our future. Father, I visualize that on a new stage, a new platform one day, there's just going to be wet carpet everywhere. But God, we understand that doesn't happen just because of a baptism event. That happens with real life change. So God, as we are, as we are stepping into a season, we are praying now a prayer of repentance. Forgive us, God. I know what you said in my heart. You said, repent. And it shook me, God, because obviously I went straight to myself. And I, I, of course, I said, God, if there's anything I've done, forgive me, God. And then you quickly said, God, no, it's we have to repent for our culture. We have to repent for believers that have been okay stepping over the rubble. Oh, forgive us for stepping over the rubble. Because God, it's time to build. It's time to not only build a building, but it's time to build a culture that says no more are we going to step over the rubble of people's lives and say that's just the way it is. But God, we speak that there is revival that's coming out of the rubble. I thank you that we will be a place 
that will navigate moves that you are bringing to us, God. Help us, Father. Strengthen us, God. Father, break our heart for what breaks your heart. Let us not get caught up in all of the details of church work that we totally ignore what breaks your heart. Help us, God. Just for about 15 seconds, just pray on your own. And I'm going to amen this thing out today. Come on, just pray. Just say it in your words. Say it in your words. God, we got to make a difference. Not to be popular. Not to be noticed. Not to get more social media hits. It's all good, God. But break our heart for what breaks yours. And God, send us kings. Send us kings that's going to help us financially take care of the need of a new building. Send us kings, God, that will help us to be able to take care of the needs of a community that needs you. Help us today, Jesus. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody said, Amen, Chloe. (laughs) Come on and clap your hands. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I pray that this was a resource and a blessing to your life. Go to our webpage, polc.cc, to connect with us on all of the things that we're doing. And we want to stay connected to you because we believe God has some great things for you.